Chapter twenty five of Delorme by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty five. While this was taking place within, the tumult without had increased a thousandfold, and the din of cries and screams and blows and groans mingled in one wild shriek of human passion, hellish, as if they rose from Phlegathon. But to my surprise, the roar of the cannon no longer drowned the rest and looking again from the window i saw all the outward defences in the hands of the populace the fortifications of the arsenal had only been completed so far as regarded the mere external works but even had they been as perfect as human ingenuity could have devised the small number of soldiers which were now within the gates would never have sufficed to defend so great a space from a multitude like that of the insurgents at the moment that i returned to my loophole the peasantry were pouring on every side into the inner court and the viceroy with not more than a hundred castilians was endeavouring in vain to repel them if ever what are commonly called prodigies of valour were really wrought that unhappy nobleman certainly did perform them fighting in the very front and making good even the open court of the arsenal against the immense body of populace which attacked it for nearly a quarter of an hour at length mere fatigue from such unwonted exertions seemed to overcome him and in making a blow at one of the peasants he fell upon his knees a dozen hands were raised to dispatch him but at the sight of his danger the castilians rallied and closing in saved him from the fury of the people while his faithful negro catching him in his arms bore him into the body of the building though certainly but ill-disposed towards the soldiery there was something in the chivalrous valour which the viceroy had displayed in these last scenes combined with the lenity he had shown to myself when brought before him which created an interest in my bosom that i will own greatly divided my wishes for the success of the oppressed catalonians the idea too entered my mind that by exerting my influence with garcias whom i still saw in the front of the insurgents i might obtain for the viceroy some terms of capitulation calling to little achilles to follow me then i snatched up the sword of the dead castilian and proceeding to the door which as i had expected was now open i ran out into the long corridor and thence began to search for the staircase that led down to the gate by which the viceroy must have entered on every side however i heard the cries of the soldiery who had now retreated into the building and were proceeding to take every measure for its defence to the utmost several times these cries misled me and it was not till i had followed many a turning and winding that i arrived at the head of the staircase halfway down which i beheld the viceroy sitting on one of the steps evidently totally exhausted while scipio the negro kneeling on a lower step offered him a cup of wine and seemed pressing him to drink at the sound of my steps the slave started up and laid his hand upon his dagger but seeing me he gave a melancholy glance towards his lord and again begged him to take some refreshment unused to all exertion and enormously weighty the excessive toil to which the viceroy had subjected himself had left him no powers of any kind and he sat as i have described with his eyes shut his hand leaning on the step and his head fallen heavily forward on his chest without seeming to notice anything that was passing around him it was in vain that i made the proposal to parley with garcias 
he replied nothing and i was again repeating it hoping by reiteration to make him attend to what i said when one of his officers came running down from above my lord cried he the galleys answer the signal and from the observatory i see the boats putting off if your excellence makes haste you will get to the shore at the same moment they do and will be safe the viceroy raised his head at all events i will try said he they cannot say that i have abandoned my post while it was tenable let the soldiers take torches the officer flew to give the necessary directions and taking the cup from the negro the viceroy drank a small quantity of the wine after which he turned to me i am glad you are here said he they talk of my escape i do not think i can effect it but whether i live or die sir frenchman report me a right to the world now if you would come with us follow me but you might stay with safety they would not injure you i determined however to accompany him at least as far as the boats they talked of though i knew not how they intended to attempt their escape surrounded as the arsenal was by the hostile populace i felt convinced however that i should be in greater personal safety in the open streets than shut up in the arsenal where the first troop of the enraged peasantry who broke their way in might very possibly murder me without at all inquiring whether i was there as a prisoner or not at the same time i fancied that in case of the viceroy being overtaken if garcias was at the head of the pursuers i should have some influence in checking the bloodshed that was likely to follow while these thoughts passed through my brain half a dozen voices from below were heard exclaiming the torches are lighted my lord the torches are lighted and the viceroy rising began to descend leaning on the negro i followed with achilles and as we passed through the great hall sufficient signs of the enemy's progress were visible to make us hasten our flight the immense iron door was trembling and shivering under the continual and incessant blows of axes and crows with which it was plied by the people in spite of a fire of musketry that a party of the most determined of the soldiery was keeping up through the loopholes on the ground story and from the windows above a great number of the soldiers whose valour was secondary to their discretion had already fled down a winding staircase the mouth of which stood open at the farther end of the hall with an immense stone trap-door thrown back which when down doubtless concealed all traces of the passage below when we approached it only two or three troopers remained at the mouth holding torches to light the viceroy as he descended don jose said the viceroy in a faint voice addressing the officer who commanded the company which still kept up the firing from the windows call your men together let them follow me to the galleys but take care when you descend to shut down the stone door over the mouth of the stairs lock it and bar it as you know how and make haste i will but roll these barrels of powder to the door my lord replied the officer lay a train between them and place a minute match by way of a spigot and then will join your excellence with my trusty iron hearts who are picking out the fattest rebels from the windows should need be we will cover your retreat and as we have often tasted your bounty will die in your defence in dangerous circumstances there is much magic in a fearless tone and don jose spoke of death in so careless a manner 
that I could not help thinking some of the soldiers who had been most eager to light the Viceroy were somewhat ashamed of their cowardly civility. About forty of the bravest soldiers in the garrison who remained with the officer who had spoken would, indeed, have rendered the Viceroy's escape to the boats secure. But Don José was prevented from fulfilling his design. We descended the stairs as fast as the Viceroy could go, and at the end of about a hundred steps entered a long excavated passage leading from the arsenal to the seashore cut through the earth and rock for nearly half a mile and lined throughout with masonry at the farther extremity of this were just disappearing as we descended the torches of the other soldiers who had taken the first mention of flight as an order to put themselves in security and had consequently led the way with great expedition in a moment or two after, by what accident it happened, I know not, an explosion took place that shook the earth on which we stood, and roared through the cavern as if the world were riven with the shock. "'God of heaven! They have blown themselves up!' cried the Viceroy, pausing. But the negro hurried him on, and we soon reached the sands under the cliffs, to the left of the city. To the cold chilliness of the vault through which we had hitherto proceeded, now succeeded the burning heat of a cloudless sun in Spain. It was but spring, but no one knows what some spring days are in Barcelona, except those who have experienced them, and by the pale cheek, haggard eye, and staggering pace of the Viceroy, I evidently saw that if the boats were far off, he would never be able to reach them. We saw them, however, pulling towards the shore about three-quarters of a mile farther up, and the very sight was gladdening. Four or five soldiers remained, as I have said, with their commander, and lighted us along the gallery. But the moment they were in the open air, the view of the boats, towards which their companions who had gone on before were now crowding, was too much for the constancy of most of them, and without leave or orders, all but two ran forward to join the rest. The tide was out, and stretching along the margin of the sea, a smooth, dry sand offered a firm and pleasant footing but a multitude of large black rocks strewed irregularly about upon the shore obliged us to make a variety of turns and circuits doubling the actual distance we were from the boats the cries and shouts from the place of the late combat burst upon our ears the moment we had issued from the passage and sped us on with greater rapidity seeing that he could hardly proceed i took the left arm of the viceroy while his faithful negro supported him on the right and hurried him towards the boats. But the moment after, another shout burst upon our ear. It was nearer, far nearer than the rest, and turning my head, I beheld a body of the peasantry pursuing us, and arrived at about the same distance from us that we were from the boats. The Viceroy heard it also, and easily interpreted its meaning. "'I can go no farther,' said he, "'but I can die here, as well as a few paces or a few yards beyond.' and he made a faint effort to draw his sword. "'Yet a little farther, my lord, yet a little farther,' cried the African. "'They are a long way off still. We are nearing the boats. See, the head boat is steering towards us. Yet a little farther, for the love of heaven.' The unfortunate viceroy staggered on for a few paces more, when his weariness again overcame him. His lips turned livid, his eyes closed, and he fell fainting upon the sand. Running down as fast as I could to the sea, I filled two of the large shells that I found with water, 
and carried them back, dashed the contents on his face. But it was in vain, and I went back for more when, on turning round, I saw a fresh party of the insurgents coming down a sloping piece of ground that broke the height close by. It would have been base to have abandoned him at such a moment, and I returned to his side with all speed. The first of the peasantry were already within a few paces, and their brows were still knit, and their eyes still flashing with the ferocious excitement of all the deeds they had done during the course of that terrible morning. As they rushed on, I saw Garcias a step or two behind, and called to him loudly in French to come forward and protect the viceroy, assuring him that he had wished the people well, and even had been the means of saving my life. The smuggler made no reply, but starting forward knocked aside the point of a gun that one of the peasants had levelled at my head, and catching me firmly by the arm, held me with his gigantic strength while the people rushed on upon their victim. The negro strode across his master and drew his dagger. One of the insurgents instantly rushed upon him and fell dead at his feet. Another succeeded. When the dagger broke upon his ribs, the noble slave cast it from him and throwing himself prostrate on the body of his master, died with him under a hundred wounds. End of chapter 25